Welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. I am your writer-in-chief, Rosalind Jackson. I am a lover of words, and that love led me to a passion for writing. And what's the next best thing to writing? Talking about writing. So kick back and join me for mind-blowing chats about writing covering everything from screenplays to novels to poetry, from nonfiction books to songwriting, and much more. Born and raised on the south side of Chicago, Barry Brewer began his career as a stand-up comedian in 2002 when he was just a teenager. Originally getting his start performing at local churches, Barry perfected his craft performing in comedy clubs throughout Chicago before moving to Los Angeles in 2004. Barry's early success came from televised comedy competitions such as Bill Bellamy's Who's Got Jokes on TV One, alongside his peers Tiffany Haddish and Lil Rel Howery, and BET's Coming to the Stage. Barry is best known for his stand-up comedy special, Chicago I'm Home, currently streaming on Amazon Prime. He currently has a reoccurring role on the BET drama series Games People Play and on Tyler Perry's comedy series Bruh, which appears on BET+. Barry also appeared in Kevin Hart's Netflix special, Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History. In addition to his comedy, Barry is an accomplished musician, songwriter, and producer. He worked with numerous artists including Brandy, Ray J, and Tank, and has recorded two studio albums. Welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. Today we are speaking with comedian Barry Brewer. Hey, Barry. Hey, you. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great on this uh, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you in L.A. right now? I'm in Chicago at the moment. Oh, okay. At the very moment, I'll be back in LA in about a week. But yeah, I'm in Chicago right now. Oh, okay, great. So Chicago is your hometown. Well, where I'm from, but I live in LA. But yes, my home, my my hometown for sure is Chicago. Oh, okay. So, what was it like growing up in Chicago? Man, people ask me that all the time. It was, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. I guess it was just, it seemed normal, you know what I mean? Because I didn't have anything to compare it to. Obviously, moving to L.A. is a different world. But, you know, I grew up uh, poor, but I didn't know it, you know, because everybody else was poor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up, uh, I tell the people, like, taking our clothes to the laundromat and, and a, everybody had a grocery cart. That was like a very hot <laughs> commodity in the hood. That's how you bring your groceries home and carry your uh, laundry to the laundromat. Everybody had it like a cart. That was before they started getting smart, putting magnets on them where you can't leave the uh, <laughs> can't leave the place, the uh, the stores. But um, it was good. I'm the oldest of three boys, so I, okay. you know, I had a lot of responsibility early on mm-hmm. from my mom, and um, you know, it helped me it helped me, you know, grow up quick. I was on my own around 17 years mm-hmm. old, so kind of responsible for my own livelihood and things like that. So I kind of grew up quick. Um, but, it, you know, it was sad initially when I was younger. I always felt like I had the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. But it, when I moved to L.A. when I was 21, I felt like it prepared me for L.A. when other young people couldn't really sustain their 
their you know stability as it relates to their house and how they live. I was able to because I had been doing it already mm-hmm. early on. My mom had me paying rent when I was thirteen. <laughs> oh so, damn! <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I worked. I worked a job. I, I was a musician, so I've had a gig or a little hustle. At, you know, playing my instrument at church since I was 13. So I've always been able to make money that way. Mm-hmm. And I was, remember my first opportunity when I was 13, I was making $25 a week. Oh. My mom would take $15 of it every week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> it is. Uh-oh. Um, I'm here. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, yeah, so that, that's, that was growing up for me, but you know, I had good times. Uh, you know, basketball was my first love. I thought I was going to go to the NBA. That was something I really, 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 really wanted. Um, obviously, I, I'm only 5'10", so mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that in life together. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping my son takes takes that dream and brings it to I can live through him a little bit. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> uh, he, he's 5'2", and he's 10 now. So I'm like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I think I have a giant on my hand. Um <laughs> But yeah, that was my childhood growing up. And, you know, it's a lot of other things, but, you know, I, I don't, it, it was, you know, it was what it was. And I'm grateful for it because it definitely made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. Now, did you know you wanted to be a comedian early in life? Were you like the class clown or the funny one at home? Or how, how did that funny. come about? I didn't. I always, let me say this. I always love watching comedy. I love laughing. I absolutely love Martin Lawrence. I remember being mm. like 13, like wanting to be Martin Lawrence, but not mm. comic. Like, I didn't know I wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to be him, literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I I can't say I knew I wanted to be that, but I was so attracted to it. Mm. It was around 18 years old where I started to have a, 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 a desire to do it. And um, I remember this first time it came to my mind, I was 18, my girlfriend at the time and my cousin was sitting on the porch. I was like, hey, what y'all think if I was like a comedian or something? He's like, well, let's see. And so I stood up in front of them and tried to perform. And he was like, nah, nah, that's not, that's not for you. (laughs) (laughs) And and then a year later, I was playing for this community choir. I was playing the drums. And this guy was like, man, you're so funny. You should do some jokes for the concert, for the church concert. Mm. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'd do it. And I put together a little set and I was able to perform at this church on the south side of Chicago. Um, church, uh, Bright Star Church of God in Christ, Pastor Chris Harris. He's still very, uh, very big in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a standing ovation my first oh, wow. time doing comedy. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, know that that was, I know that was a, a, a motivational thing um, to, to get you on that path. That's crazy. The first time out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That that was like the thing that really um, sparked, you know, and around that time, you know, you're trying to, I'm trying to find out what I want to do in life. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm on my own trying to find something that's going to make me stable. When I got that, that feeling, uh, that one moment on stage, that's when I knew like, oh, this is what I'm going to do forever. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what it is. This is where I'm going after. And ever since then, I've been chasing Mm-hmm. that dream since like literally the after that one night of performance mm-hmm. i was like that's what i've been after years later <laughs> a lot oh, of years wow. later <laughs> oh wow so yeah. who are um some of your favorite comedians i know you mentioned martin lawrence and um and number one martin lawrence number uh-huh. jamie fox 
Mm. Number two, uh, Sinbad is one of my favorites. Um, those are the top three. I love, obviously, Bill Cosby and mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy and uh, Paul Mooney is funny. I love him. Um, who else I love? Mm-hmm. I, any new comics, I would say. I mean, I, like, I appreciate Dave Chappelle greatly. I love Kevin mm-hmm. Hart. Um, but my top other ones, I said, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of comedy, so I can name off a million people I love mm-hmm. so much, but I love comedy itself. So there's so many great comics and so many even unknown comics that's amazing mm-hmm. that hasn't gotten their chance yet to shine. But there's so many greats, um, but um, I'm a fan of comedy, but those are my top. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. So I checked out your comedy special, Chicago, I'm Home. And uh, yeah, I did. I had to do do some research. So I said, let me, let me check it out, you know, before the interview. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I must say, I was I was surprised how funny it is. And I don't know why I was surprised. It's like, well, you know why I was surprised? Because it, it kind of felt like um we didn't it kind of felt like you came out of nowhere, if you know what I mean. Like um you yeah. had a few roles here and there and so usually when people get their own comedy special we've seen them you know over the years and you know like all these different tv shows or things like that and then you know you get like the fame and then you get the comedy special the comedy special yeah so how did that come about that was that was pretty amazing thank you it's (laughs) it's it's kind of a testament to my whole story like what you don't like not waiting for somebody to believe in me i felt mm-hmm. like i was ready and i literally raised the money in my own personal circle oh, and wow. went and produced it myself from the location to hiring the, the camera crew to editing it <laughs> to oh, shopping wow. and getting a getting a um a distribution company who you know was already done to say hey let let us go out and try to you know get get a platform for it to live on and mm-hmm. um so it, it basically came from me doing stand up for years and years and me seeing some of my counterparts, people I came up in the game with, like Tiffany, me and Tiffany did, who's got jokes together. Me and her mm-hmm. was like, you know, it's kind of like my classmate, if you will, mm-hmm. you know. So seeing her thrive and seeing Lil Rel and everybody kind of and me like, OK, when is somebody going to come and, and give me that opportunity? Mm-hmm. But me seeing like, OK, it's not about that. If I believe I'm ready, put your money where your mouth is. You know, I like and that. That's where I did. I bet on myself. And that's how I came. That's why I still kind of, you know, it's kind of taking a slow build and people kind of like, oh, wow. You know, but mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how that came about. But, you know, I'm very grateful for the, you know, for the journey. Um, my first day at Games People Play, which is where mm-hmm. I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was promoting it there, like my first mm-hmm. read, and I know I was looking like a homeless guy because I was like, <laughs> you know, people like, who is this guy? Like, telling us this is like I kind of came in like a hustler, like, hey, I, I got comedy special out, watch it. But that's always, you know, where I'm from, being from Chicago, that's kind of always been my mentality, and never be mm-hmm. too good to 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 try to promote yourself, try to get yourself right. out there. Obviously, don't be airy, but you know. You said a closed mouth don't get fed. So you try to let mm-hmm. people know what you're doing. And, you know, if they watch it, great. You know, if they don't, mm-hmm. okay, no worries. You know, you'll you'll know about me someday, someday right. soon, hopefully, you know. Right. So um, thank you for watching it. Yes, I, I you know, people like, oh, where you come from? Like, I, it's so many <laughs> of us. You know, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of greatness that mm-hmm. hasn't gotten the opportunity or the platform right. to showcase that. So 
Um, you know, hopefully I'm one of the ones that, you know, when I get my opportunity and I'm having the resources and the platform, I can mm-hmm. showcase those people because I feel mm-hmm. like I'm one of That's amazing. I love that you just, you took it upon yourself to get yourself out there because had you gone the traditional route and waited for somebody to, you know, come to you, it may have taken years and years and years. So I really love that. And I think, I think, um, Cat Williams does that too. Like he produces his own specials and then he sells them to, uh, Netflix, I believe. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he did it after, but he did it after his success. He had the money. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. It's different when you, when you got millions of dollars and you can just independently produce it. Cause Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. does it too. Now oh, Kevin yeah. Hart does it. Like they all do it now because they have the means and the resources mm-hmm. and they already have, you know, Netflix is going to give you a, a big piece of change for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. a different thing. Like I didn't have a place for it to live on. I didn't know mm-hmm. who was going to buy it. Nobody knew me. So it right. was just like, I could have been wasting all that money mm-hmm. <laughs> possibly, yeah. but that's the faith part of it. But yeah, everybody's doing it. It's a, it's a, it's a system that, you know, uh, at that level that you do once you made mm-hmm. it, but usually on the other part of it, it's, it's a gamble, mm-hmm. you know, so right. you have to have faith and believe that, Hey, I believe I have something worth, you know, watching and that people will love it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what that was. Yeah. And so I was uh, I was checking it out last night. It was like maybe like one o'clock in the morning and I'm like just laughing. So I'm, I'm like, I know my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing I loved about it was the voices you did for the for the men in the stories, uh-huh. like the, the crackhead and, and the dude on the date. I was just like rolling. <laughs> I was like, why do you gotta sound like that? <laughs> that's how they sound in my mind. That's how they, that's how they come to be. Um, some of them really do sound like that, though. That's um, but thank that had, you. That had me cracking up. So how do you, how do you um, prepare for your comedy specials or things like that? Like, how do you how do jokes come to you? I know like somebody like Joan Rivers, she used, I saw a special where she talked about how she would write her jokes down on index cards and she would file them away in this big old giant cabinet. It was like, kind of looked like the cabinet that um, they used to have at the libraries with the little, the little cards in them. Oh yeah. Yeah. With the, with the letter on the front to know what letters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she used to put it, she had like thousands of them in there. And so- oh, wow. How do you prepare to write your jokes and things like that? Um, so I used to early on write like that, like write them all out, like verbatim. But as I got a little more mature in comedy, I kind of just start writing on premises. Mm-hmm. And I like to record them, either audio or visual, where I can hear it and try to develop. Like, I like to talk about my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, it's just kind of creating jokes out the blue. Like, oh, you know, stuff that you tr- can just kind of, create something then as I got a little older I'm so sorry oh that's okay (laughs) um as I got a little older you know just kind of taking life for example like my stand-up special was a lot of my real life like I don't know if you remember that story about the eagle and the lion that's a that's a true story like that really happened exactly like that outside of the um, (laughs) outside of the going to meet with the pastor but the <laughs> other part like just the whole back and forth like it really happened like every point from like the lion king part like all of that really 
that was really a conversation that happened. So wow. it's something you just cannot write. It just <laughs> happens and you have to just literally bring it to the stage and share the story. Just share it. And sometimes it just writes itself. Like you just, you know, live it. <laughs> I was like, she was really mad. She was like, how eagle and a lion gonna get together? She <laughs> really was serious. So what I found out at the end of that concept is that <laughs> she remembered it from the notebook, the movie, the notebook. Uh-huh. And he said something or she said something. And he's like, well, whatever you are, I'm going to be. So he ah. said that to her. So so when she asked me that question, <laughs> she had that answer in mind. right? <laughs> but I don't know that she didn't let me in on that understanding. So, <laughs> so this is why she's getting offended in the conversation <laughs> because she's expecting this answer of this movie that I didn't even remember or think of. <laughs> So, you were supposed uh, to know. You were just supposed to know. Supposed to know. That's exactly <laughs> what she said. You just supposed to know, which is impossible. But okay. Um, so anyway, <laughs> jokes come about like that all the time. It's just like life, and it's like, man, bringing it to the stage before you get to a special and delivering it in front of a crowd and seeing how they respond and kind of going deeper and you know maybe you feel fun in it and you can exaggerate certain aspects of it or. Sometimes it's just there. So it's different ways that I come up with jokes, but I definitely try to write my premises down. Then I try to get on stage mm-hmm. and talk about it and then record that and see what comes out. You know okay. what I mean? Like, so sometimes like that. Um, and then sometimes I'll sit there and just think of how I can, you know, elaborate on a joke or a premise. Like I have a premise of, uh, you know, having kids. And when my son first came out, mm-hmm. this is a new joke I'm developing right now. And I was thinking okay. of how he looked weird. When he came out, and I was a little nervous. You know how people look at babies like cute babies, and I'm gonna just say strong looking babies. I'm not gonna say ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how that you don't ever want your baby to be that baby that nobody pick up. You know, at the nice restaurant <laughs> where people pick up the pretty babies never touch the ground. Everybody wanna hold the pretty babies. The little strong looking babies be out in the street running, nobody care about them. The mom, they all right. <laughs> so <laughs> but it's true right so so I talk about just the journey of that and then when I was having my son how this stage when he first came out I was nervous because he looked Mm. weird looked like an alien but nobody told me that all children go through this stage (laughs) so I talk about that and then I talk about you know people you know we, we live in a society where everybody's very uh um, shallow. I believe mm-hmm. a lot of people are shallow. So looks really are a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so I, say, I then start saying, you know, everybody don't, I saw, I have a friend, some friends. Like, oh, I hope they have never heard of this because they don't know who they are, yeah. but they're together. They're very beautiful people, but their mm-hmm. babies didn't, but their children didn't come out looking <laughs> like them. When you see Uh-oh. really beautiful people, <laughs> you kind of expect them to birth these beautiful babies, but mm. these babies look strong, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and I and so now I started developing. I was like, maybe they maybe their genes are so strong and arrogant mm. that they fight each other, so the baby comes out looking <laughs> unique. So I'm like, maybe you gotta. I said, so pretty people, you gotta find an average looking person, <laughs> or less or less than for it to mesh, balance and it out, <laughs> balance it out. You know, you can't just have two fine people together. They usually, don't work out for the children. So um, <laughs> you can't have it all. So I don't know. It's just a joke I'm developing right now. Yeah, so hilarious. Kind of yeah. 
<laughs> so let's talk about the your TV show, Bruh. That's yes. um, on BET. It's a Tyler Perry production. And it it's about four 30-something Black men as they're out <laughs> in the world dating and handling 30s. their careers and friendships and things like that. And um, yes. tell us about your character. Man, my character name is John. And John is a lot like me early on, just trying to find his way. Mm. You know, he didn't graduate from college and all of his friends are very successful in their career and he's trying to find his way he's trying to you know put the pieces together which is a lot of us early on in life when you're early 30s you're trying to find your identity find out where you fit in the world like what what's what's your calling what's your purpose I feel like that's who John is and um his mom has been a handicap to him but um and she's really just really unorthodox in her parenting mm -hmm. style. She's she can be really mean and brash, <laughs> and you know, just uh, in my opinion, uh, what's the word? Inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I know some people like that. I actually uh -huh. know people like her in real life. So, um, <laughs> and John just trying to work his way through around all those elements and still, you know, be a friend to his friends. And I do like this show because mm. um, I don't often see black men and seeing their vulnerable sides on TV, like on right. a show, mm -hmm. to see them kind of mm -hmm. go through life. You always see them either in jail or doing some drugs. You don't often mm -hmm. see a black man, a young black man who's accomplished and, you know, who he is in real life. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that's a really um, dope concept just as a young black man to be able to play a role like that that you don't often see in television mm -hmm. you know yeah. we've had a few movies like that you know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you don't often see that on television yeah I like how the characters are all they're all successful your character is an entrepreneur he owns a sandwich shop and the other guys are uh what there's an architect a doctor and a lawyer right yeah, yeah. okay yeah and those are uh played by um Monty Washington, who's also yes. with games people play. Yes, he is. Um, what is it? Uh, Madi. Madi. Madi Kochi. Madi Kochi. Mm. He plays Tom. Yeah. And Philip Mullings, he plays Mike. Yes. Um, and then you mentioned the uh, lady who plays your mother. She is hilarious. <laughs> yes, Chandra Corelli. Yes, <laughs> Chandra Corelli Young. Yeah. Yes. I didn't expect her character um, when I was watching the first episode and being that it is a show from Tyler, it kind of, I wasn't expecting that. And it threw me. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the way she was speaking. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, um, and then there was uh, in one scene, some uh, nudity. And I was like, oh, okay. That's the only, I, and I don't understand that one shot. That's the only piece in the whole show. Like it oh. was just a, it was, it was a random titty in the show. <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready for the titty. Put the titty away. And I, you know what's funny? Like Alyssa, she's an amazing actress, first of all. Mm -hmm. She's so amazing, though. I just feel uncomfortable that like, she's free. She's one of those free-spirited people. So uh -huh. it don't, she don't, it doesn't, you know, somebody that's just free, you know, like the earthy people, they they just free and go back <laughs> to nature. So they don't bother them. But it just makes me feel uncomfortable because mm. you know, when I see you, I like I saw your titty. Like it's just weird. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, this, this this world is still new to me, so I don't know how to. <laughs> 
I was weird a little bit after watching it, after I talked to her. She's like, hey. I'm like, I, I like look down, like, like I felt ashamed. Like, I show you titties. Like, I don't even know how to feel about it. <laughs> and that's my boy's girlfriend now. Philip is dating oh, okay. girl. Oh, wow. So the one who plays Mike, who they have a, uh-huh. a love interest on the show, but they uh-huh. actually, they're actually dating in real life. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're the greatest couple ever. So then I feel bad at that too. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at him like, man, I'm sorry, bro. I didn't want to look at it. So I don't even. I don't even watch that episode no more. Like, I don't even see it. <laughs> but yeah, but I, yeah, I didn't expect that from Tyler. I was like, okay, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> so with the, um, with the relationship between the mom and the son in the show, um, I, it's like, it appears dysfunctional, but <laughs> at the, <laughs> at the, at the foundation is still that, you know, that love between a mother and a son. And, um, are there any similarities in the mother-son relationship with your, you and your character and your real life relationship with your mom? It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. I had a, yes. My mom was on, um, drugs growing up, uh, drinking a lot. And it was like, a a heart, you know, a dysfunctional household early on, but my mom loved me. My mom gave me a lot of very important foundational lessons that mm-hmm. helped me today. Mm-hmm. So I say that part to say, yeah, like my mom mm-hmm. would cuss me out and just, you know, talk to me a way that average mo- parents don't, or the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the Obama looking <laughs> parent, you know, you wouldn't expect <laughs> that. Like, oh, that's crazy. You know, mm-hmm. but in a hood, you know, household, like there's a, just a way that mothers have, you know, Mm-hmm. My mother raised me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it is some areas. The only part that's not very uh, very similar is just the inappropriateness as it relates to sex. Like how mm-hmm. open my mom, Alice, is about her sexual life mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Now, my mom was very open about sex. Like I didn't want to talk. Like my mom was trying to tell me about sex too early like she was trying to talk to me about sex when I was like 10 and 11 and her talk to me wasn't like you know understanding she's like the condoms up here don't bring me home no bait like that was her <laughs> <laughs> do you need some help learn how to put it on I help you da, 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 da. like that that like so it was a little inappropriate like I'm I'm 10 like I'm 10 like, I don't even I don't even need to know that yet you know what I'm saying like well but I'm her first you. child she just want to make you want to get it right Right. <laughs> so it was some levels of dysfunction, but you know, I'm grateful for it today. You know, mm-hmm. it, it definitely has helped me. So mm-hmm. I say that to say, you know, because some people could look at Alice's character and be like, mm-hmm. oh, she's too much. Mm-hmm. But I am somebody who can say, no, she's a real character. Like that, that person exists mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. in the world. And they truly love their child. Right. They just have their own way of going about how they communicate and talk to that child. You know what I right. mean? And yes. He might have some issues because of it, but he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I like I like when I see those type of relationships on the screen that are not um, traditional. Like, for example, one of my favorite um, parent-child relationships on TV is on Scandal with um, Olivia Pope's character and her dad, yeah, mm. um, Daddy Pope. Yeah. And on the surface that is like the most dysfunctional relationship in the world. <laughs> right. End of it. That man loved his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so I love how, you know, Shonda didn't give you a leave it to beaver, you know, typical 
parent-child relationship is different. Right. So, so, right. so I, I um give it up to Tyler for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk, about, let's talk about games people play. Yes, my that's <laughs> what I call my home base, my family base. <laughs> yes. So for those of you who, who haven't seen games people play, that's also on BET. And that is about the the underworld of the NBA. It's like what's going on, you know, behind the scenes, what's going on with with uh, the players and their wives and mistresses and, you know, all the secrets that's going on. And um, and so that stars Lauren London and Karen Obelum, Parker McKinney, excuse me, Parker McKinney Posey, Saranis Jackson, Jackie Long, Monty Washington, who you guys are in two shows together. That's amazing. <laughs> that is <laughs> such then, a blessing. Yeah. And then, of course, your character is Eric, and he plays an IT tech, and he's the boyfriend of Nia. So yes. tell us about that, a little more about that. Oh, that character. That's like a, one of my favorite characters. Um, <laughs> he, Eric is, to me, just, a, he he's all about the simple life, but he's so into his field, you know, as it relates to IT and technical mm-hmm. and just, he's kind of into conspiracies. He, <laughs> he believes that, no, he really believes that that exists. And so his, his, his intellect is just very dialed in mm-hmm. as it relates to that. And so his wit and his smarts as it relates to IT, he, he kind of combines that with his conspiracy theories and creates these gadgets and just, just invested in the world. He absolutely adores Nia and loves her and that's his world he's he's one of those guys that's like i got my queen and that's all i need i can go take mm-hmm. over the world mm-hmm. you know and and uh nia doesn't feel the same seems like she's kind of still like finding her way and maybe mm-hmm. not not as invested in in their happiness i think right he's a safe choice for now for her mm-hmm. you know but he looks at her as his world you know what i mean Aww. um <laughs> yeah, that's that's the mindset I had approaching the character because he seems, you know, like he really loves her. He really wants mm-hmm. to get it right. He really wants to just to be his wife and have mm-hmm. kids and just live the the American dream. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's that's Eric. So he he's the good guy. <laughs> he is. He's the true good guy. He's gonna be faithful. He's gonna be there in every space. I love how um, on Twitter, you know, you had the Eric, Team Eric versus Team um, Terrence. Yeah, I like going that. On. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, and I, I have to admit, um, I was Team Terrence. I'm sorry. No hey, hey, <laughs> hey, you got you to gotta be on the losing team. So they got to have losers, <laughs> they got to have winners. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was, on, I was on his team because of the book. I read the book, so... Oh, so you had a different... Yeah, because they kind of yeah. both need more, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, spoiler alert, um, in the book, they get to get uh, uh, Nia and Terrence, you know, they do have a relationship. They get together, but they, they don't... They get back together. Yeah. yeah. They don't in the show, at least not... They, they, they not yet. We don't know. We got to wait to see. Yeah, we got to keep looking. Yeah, I got to look. Season two coming. <laughs> Season two coming, it's going to yes. be a, woo, it's going to be unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we're actually in pre-production right now. So all the fans yes. have been asking, when are you guys coming back? When are you coming back? And, you know, it's COVID, you know, took us down. We would have been back, but COVID is, uh, you know, set us yeah. back. Yeah, set us back. 
but we're, we're, we're coming, we're coming, we'll be there. <laughs> so right. what, was, what were some of your favorite um, scenes or episodes from the show? Uh, in Games People Play, my favorite <laughs> episode was when I was at the desk. I'm not in the scene with Lauren and, and, um, and, um, Jesus, what's her name? Karen. No, yeah, Karen was in it too, but what's the, uh, oh, Parker? Parker, yes, uh-huh. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and I, I think I can appreciate it. I just like the gadget that I had. Like, I like playing, like, I didn't know that I was this guy in real life, but I think mm-hmm. I am like this this very uh person who thinks he knows it all like <laughs> and and so it was the same where i'm like trying to break into the the madam's phone oh um, yes her phone mm-hmm. and then and then parker comes and sits next to me right and i'm like so infatuated by her because i'm looking at her like <laughs> she's like she's like uh kim kardashian or somebody that mm-hmm. like everybody like thinks is so fine and uh-huh, like, uh-huh. And so I'm like kind of like taken by her, but I'm still trying to be professional. And the way Lauren, the way Lauren is looking at me, right? It's just like it's the funniest thing to me. Like she's looking at me, like, look at this Negro, right? right? And so, and then and then Karen walks in and I'm like, what? Like, what? Like, you know, like like a dude just so like gullible, like, oh no, I ain't do nothing. She ain't even thinking that. So I like that scene and mm-hmm. I like and I like the scene where um Saronis comes in the house and he's like super tall and I'm like telling him about we start <laughs> like these people are listening, right? Yeah. I like I love that. Like I love that I love the way they wrote that. Like oh, yeah, it just he- gave me a space to play and shout out to Tracy and Vanessa. Mm-hmm. They just let me create within that character that they built. And so it was just it's just really fun. It was just really fun to, uh, I didn't know, like prior to doing that role, I would never think that I would even be considered an IT guy or, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I'm a lot more closer to the character than I may thought may have thought, because like I said, I'm from the inner city. I'm from the hood. So I, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm hood, but I think I'm very <laughs> urban. Uh-huh. Right. I think so, but maybe I'm not, maybe I'm closer to nerd than I thought. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I like, I think I, cause people were like saying, oh, he's so corny. He's like, like when people <laughs> was talking about the show on Twitter, I was like, dang, they really think I'm a cornball. Like for real, for real. So, right. And so, uh, and there's one more thing I do love when me and oh. Monty Terrence character is coming out. I meet him at the police station uh-huh. and I'm like walking to him. Like, yeah, I would like to make a report. Man, and he like he don't care. Like he, ah, he is just not moved by me. And I, right, I am mad. <laughs> yeah, I love how your character brought the comedy to to the scenes. <laughs> yeah, so I loved I loved every everything about it. It was just a great, you know, a great cast of people to work with, mm-hmm. and just the production, and just mm-hmm. just the writing was just amazing and fun. So yeah. every scene I was in, I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, I loved it. Yeah, shout out to the writers and the showrunner, Vanessa Middleton. Yeah, shout and, out to them. Yeah, we had some amazing writers on there. We had um, Ted Witcher, who... Uh, yes, love Jones um, fame. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody knows that's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> oh, wow. How great is that, right? He's yeah. writing on the show. Like, that's yeah, so and then dope. he came to write on the show, and I was all... I had I fangirled out for a minute, so... <laughs> and he's such a nice guy, too. Yeah, so he's cool. really cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. I love it to be super cool. Like, it's nothing. I just did that. That was just something I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so speaking of when you mentioned how you feel like you could be that that nerdy guy, that, uh, you know, guy who may have some interest in IT and whatnot. So you are basically a jack of all trades because you play the piano also I do. and and um and you're also a music producer now that part i didn't know yes i'm a songwriter and a music producer yes yeah. so tell us about that so my musical backgrounds i grew up in church uh um, my mom my mom didn't go to church early on in my life so my grandmother who's really my cousin it's a whole dysfunctional thing but anyway <laughs> uh <laughs> I call her my grandmother and she, her and my grandfather uh, would take me on the weekend. So they would come get me after school Friday and I would stay with them the whole weekend mm-hmm. and I would go to church. And that's kind of where I developed my love for music. Uh-huh. Um, so I started playing the drums. I learned the saxophone. I ended up playing the saxophone in high school. Then I moved on to the piano a little later, oh, like, wow. a, like a 17 year old, like 17. I started touching the piano. And I'll say this, like the piano came to me like a gift, like come to find out as I become uh, became a grown man that my grandfather was a jazz pianist. Oh, and wow. I never knew. I never met him. I never knew him. My biological grandfather on my father's side mm. was a pianist, was a jazz pianist. So when I first picked up the piano, my cousin showed me one little run, a riff on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And a year later, I was playing for a church, like full time, like keys in Oregon. So it mm-hmm. came to me like like it was truly a gift. Like I it was something I saw in front of my eyes like, wow, like I got really good, really fast with no training at all. Wow. Like I played by ear. So I didn't even know, you know, you don't even know the gifts you have in you sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, like I can do this. And so that was one of the things. So then as I journeyed that, naturally, I love, I was a big fan of Joe and Brian McKnight back in the day. I used Mm -hmm. to always sing their songs. And so um, I moved to L.A. and I started producing music. So Mm -hmm. I got to work with Brandy. Um, I got to play for Tank and Jamie Foxx at the Laugh-A-Palooza. as a comedy, stand-up comedy festival in Atlanta. And that's where I got to meet him. And then, um, you know, I just started producing music, shopping songs, trying mm-hmm. to get placements and just really opened up to that world when I moved to Los Angeles, just the whole music production world. So mm-hmm. I really went hard with that because that was also one of my passions mm-hmm. and things that I went, you know, hard in. So um, I had to choose one because people like, which one you mm-hmm. like doing? I was like, I like all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um yeah, because I submitted a theme song for Games People Play initially. Like, I was telling okay. everybody, I was like, I write, I do music too. Let me mm-hmm. submit a song. Um, <laughs> I'll oh, wow. have to play it for you. Yeah. Maybe I, with I, something. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't you, even know that part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that you singing on your uh, comedy special at the end? Yes, that is me. Oh, okay. That is me. I produced and wrote that. Oh, wow. My, yeah. With That's my um, cool. co-writer. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, Thank when I so after much. I read your your bio and saw that you um you also sing, I said, oh, I bet that's him singing at the end of the 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 show. Yeah, that's me on all the music. The music that's in the front, the only way is up. That that's actually me too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and I also love your um your your logo, the little uh, intro. Oh yeah, my only believe my entertainment. Yeah, yes. yeah, that was pretty unique how you did that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Cause it's really like, it's kind of like the epitome of like my life, like running f- from the hood, looking mm-hmm. downtown, like looking to get out 
outside of your 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 inner city, like you know mm-hmm. the the hood kind of thing, like trying to chase something greater and bigger than where you you know started. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the concept of that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who wants to do what you <laughs> do, whether they be a comedian or an actor or singer um, or musician? What advice would you give them? The first advice I would, the first piece of advice I would give, I'll try to give them at least three points. One is to start doing something. Look within your power to see what can you do to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And um, some people don't believe that it's possible. Mm-hmm. So it starts there. So let me retract that. One is to believe that it's possible. Right. That even though however old you may be, no matter what walk of life you find yourself in or where you are, like I didn't go to college or I never I never did acting before. I never did a comedy. I'm 60 now. It's too late to now try to start a career in entertainment. Like sometimes people look at life and feel like this too late. And as long as you're breathing and you have an able body. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's still possible. I um, I, I want to say this before I go into that. It was this dude, he really wanted to play in the NBA, and um, he never stopped. He was 40-some years old. They let him off the bench at the Lakers. He played for the Lakers. Oh. He got a, a 10-day contract, I think. But he was like 40-something. Mm. And he cried. They cheered him on. LeBron was playing. I think it's the first year LeBron played for the Lakers. But anyway, he got on the court. And everybody stood up and I didn't know of him. I didn't know his story. And I went and read his story and he's been chasing to make it to the NBA forever. Wow. Playing overseas, playing in this, that, the third. And he got to play in the NBA and it might've not been, he didn't become Michael Jordan, but he never gave up on his dream. Mm -hmm. And his first NBA game was at 40 something years old. That's amazing. Right. So I say to first believe it is very important. I really want to say that because I truly feel like everything that's happened thus far and what's going to happen for me mm-hmm. tomorrow is simply based on me believing it and not doubting it. And even though it may not look like it and be some discouraging moments and people say no, and you know, sometimes you can't even see where the glimpse of light is. And But just to believe that I'm going to see it at some point and continue to move. I think that's what piece of advice I would give first. And then the other piece was that I then look to see what can I do within my power to get where I'm trying to go, right? Like whatever it is, if I want to be a singer, like can I start writing a song? Can I create a YouTube channel and just start putting, you know, myself out there and just build an audience? And, you know, it ain't about having a big following. Like, can I start developing a following? If I got two people that love me and will support me, can I make that two to four and then can I make that four or six people right mm-hmm. like, like <laughs> people want to go quick and get big fast but I'm learning even in my career like I'm not at Kevin or Tiffany they had big moments like mm-hmm. mine's a slow bill you know mm-hmm. what I mean like yeah I'm grateful to be on games people play and then bro came and I'm grateful for that but that's that's not it you know and for you know right. more so I just keep building like uh, people. Are, oh, you famous now? Like, no, I'm not. I can still mm-hmm. get on public transportation and nobody will say nothing to me <laughs> <laughs> at all. Like, <laughs> That's a gift because <laughs> sometimes that fame is like, whoo. <laughs> right, right. But sometimes people get lost in it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not doing it for the fame, obviously that great. Yeah. The fame is the tool to help me hopefully be of influence to help somebody else Mm -hmm. in a good way. But my point is to use my tools that wherever I got, 
before I got here, people were like, well, how you get that? How you get there? It's like I used every tool I had to get there. Like, for example, I talk about my stand-up special. The stand-up special, I'm going to just be very honest, cost about 30 grand. Oh, okay. I had never had $1,000 to my name to spend on whatever I wanted to before <laughs> I did that. Yeah. I'm being honest. Wow. I'm being honest. I owned a home in mm-hmm. L.A. I bought a house at the time when the market was down. We was in a recession. Remember when Obama was in? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have a lot of money. My my girlfriend, she was my girlfriend at the time. I was like, I'm going to get a house. And she looked at me like I was off because I didn't have a nine. I didn't have no nine <laughs> to five. I was just playing at the <laughs> church and picking up comedy gigs at that point. Mm-hmm. But on my credit, I worked on my credit and I was able to get this program. So I'm, I'm trying to say that. I was working what I had and it got Mm -hmm. me to that place. So then I was in the house and I wanted to do my stand-up special. Remember, I never had a thousand dollars to spend on what (laughs) I wanted to. And I'm looking for $30,000 to do something that I have no idea of where it's going to land. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I had no money, but I had footage from this show called Who's Got Joked where Tommy Ford spoke of me. And he said that I reminded him of the great comics he worked with. He worked with Martin Lawrence. He worked with Eddie Murphy. And he said, I reminded him of that. I took that footage. I put it on video. I messed up with some other stuff of people talking about me. And I was like, I put a proposal. I said, who would you, would you want to invest if you knew that Kevin Hart would be Kevin Hart before he was Kevin Hart? Would you want to have a say that you helped and saw that early on. Well, this is your opportunity. I'm the next guy. And I put a presentation together and I sent it to all these people, a proposal, (laughs) a a PowerPoint, Mm kind of speaking of all of that and said, this is what I'm trying to do. This is who I am, da-da-da-da. And the people I thought would give me the money did not even call me back. And it was my wife's grand... She told me not to say. One of my (laughs) family members, (laughs) I've always said it, obviously, (laughs) was the first person to invest. And when they invested, they invested so much that I didn't even know this person had that money. Mm -hmm. Like they lived such a very regular life. I didn't even know they had the pieces. So she's invested a big chunk. Mm. I then, my manager was like, I'm going to invest the piece. Uh I then got my taxes. I invested that, all of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every penny of it. (laughs) And then I, and so I got all, I ended up raising $30,000 amongst one, two, like four, five people. That's amazing. Right. Again, I had never had a thousand dollars to spend on anything. I want. So what <laughs> am I saying? I'm saying this to say that sometimes you can't see how you have the resources, but if you just use what you have, mm-hmm. you'll be surprised at the, at that, at that point that the resources would then come, right? People say, I don't have the money. But, but what are you doing with what you have, right? Like, what right. do you have? I don't got nothing. Yes, you do. You got a mouth. Did you ask somebody? Did you, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, people say, I want to re- make a record. Do you know somebody play a piano? Do you know, can you sing? Have you, do you got a software on your computer? Can you learn? Like, have you, like, what is, like, look around. There's something that you can do to help you get closer to the thing that you want for yourself. So that would be my other thing that I would share. I can talk a lot. So that's it for that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is amazing advice. That is, that is like so helpful to so many people. Like, you know, even for me, because like I'm not where I want to be. And I have to, you know, sometimes I I deal with like procrastination. And next thing you know, like years have gone by and I still haven't done the thing that I want to do. So that kind of advice is really helpful, you know, to people. And um, you know, you have to stay 
on it. You have to open doors for yourself because no one is going to just throw something in your lap and, you know, you, you have to work for it. You know, that's, that's very true. And, 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 you know, what's sad, but true. And I don't like this, that people are not going to jump on your bandwagon until it's already rolling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you're waiting for them to push it for you, you're going to be waiting <laughs> forever. You know, exactly. Like, it's true. Like, like I, I'm learning even at every level, like it's not until you start doing something that somebody want to give you an opportunity. Like, what was that opportunity before? Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't until you like, so you got to believe in yourself. If nobody else believes in you, you got to be the the, 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 the one to believe. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else buys in after that. And that's that's the truth. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Only believe. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's OK. I was just going to give the scripture I love. Oh, go ahead. Um, um, because the advice, I love giving advice because it's, it's what I'm applying and it really works. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I truly want to see people. I think so many people just don't live a purposeful life or, a, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, because they, they're scared, their fears of, of, of whatever, or what they think they don't have. And so they don't even try. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I just want to talk to the people that's like you, like, like just going after their dreams. And it, the one thing I just want to encourage you is to never give up. You know, never give up. And the scripture that I remember, it says the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but the one that endures to the end. And that's the thing I always stick to that whatever you're chasing, sometimes time discourages people because they've been going at it. So for so long, and it's Mm -hmm. like, why am I still even trying this? Am I being stupid to continue on this way? And I just want to know, like, if you believe that thing is for you, like, don't give up. Like, no matter how dark it seems, like, if you stay the course, you will see that thing come to life. And that's what I wanted to say, because I think that some people try stuff and years pass. They're like, man, I've been doing this for so long. I'm like, right. you right at the brink. Don't give up, though. Mm-hmm. Don't let that mm-hmm. time be in vain. Yeah. You know? You know, so yeah, that's what I want to say. Absolutely, that that is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, what projects do you have coming up next? What's next for Barry? Um, well, I'm grateful to be able to do season two mm-hmm. of Games People Play. Um, we'll have to talk offline about other stuff, but um, <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Um, see, season two of Bruz coming out. So mm-hmm. we filmed that during quarantine. So that was a interesting and amazing experience being on the lot in a bubble. Yes. But um, I also produced a stand-up show called The Next Generation of Stand-Up. It's kind of okay. like a, a new form of like a Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like where where I, other uh, comics that you haven't seen trying to give them a platform. So I've produced that myself. Mm-hmm. I shot that uh, last year, All-Star Weekend. So I have that trying to shop that to a platform mm-hmm. and then i i did a show for a new platform called jack and jill it's a show i wrote and directed okay. um and it, it comes on this new platform called black oak uh it starts streaming next month it's a new streaming platform that launches in february and so my show called jack and jill will be on there it's like eight episodes for the first season it's like 10 minutes an episode so i wrote that and directed that it's my first time directing something scripted i directed my stand-up special but a scripted show um so that was a great experience i just in editing in post right now i'm editing Mm -hmm. that i'm about to send it off to get colored (laughs) and stuff so that's what i've been working on with that Mm -hmm. and i'm working on writing another feature i'm writing a feature 
Oh, wow. So you are busy, 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 busy. <laughs> well, I, I just, I, the thing I told you, I got to make, I, if, if I want to be in movies, ain't nobody giving me, I got to do it. My, you know what I mean? I got to exactly. create it myself. So, yeah, I'm applying what I'd say. I'm applying my own advice. To my own <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I always like to end with asking people, what are you watching, reading, and listening to? Um... I'm watching a lot of, uh, I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch a lot of NBA basketball um, <laughs> and some old Martins and Jamie Foxx. But um, I listen to a lot of Miles Monroe mm. and Les Brown and Eric Thomas. Okay. Um, and so I, 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 so it's not like a specific thing. I listen to a lot of just videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. I am about to start reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and I have th- several options, so I don't know which one. But, um, <laughs> but um, I just listen to a lot of just encouragement and, mm-hmm. and things that keeps me motivated to continue to chase my dreams and keeps me, you know, looking at the cup as half full instead of half empty. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that perspective is what helps. So that's where I'm at. So I shout out them people. You should YouTube them: Miles Monroe, mm-hmm. um, Les Brown, Eric Thomas. Is people, you know, people I often lift, listen to. So I would say that's what I'm listening to or watching, I mm. should say. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah. where can people find you online? Yes, um, on all platforms. On um, I'm on YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Barry Brewer Jr. Barry with an A, Brewer, B-R-E-W-E-R, Jr., J-R, on all platforms, even Snapchat. Y'all doing Snapchat. Um, you on Clubhouse? I am on Clubhouse. I am. People be on that way too much though. But um, I be seeing people live on there. Like I like y'all got a lot of time. But um, I do jump on here and there. It's been some fun experiences. I am on Clubhouse, Barry Brewer mm-hmm. Jr. as well mm-hmm. on all platforms. And I am BarryBrewer.com is my website. Um, and um, yeah, I have a clothing line that I launched called Only Believe Apparel. Okay. Check that out, onlybelieveapparel.com. And we sell a lot of uh, leisure wear, like, you know, joggers and uh, shirts and and things like that for ladies and Mm -hmm. and, and men, you know, encourage you to only believe. So, you know, I told you that's what I'm about. So something that reminds me what I'm about. So Mm -hmm. that's where they can find me. Love that. Love that. Well, thank you so much for giving us your background and all the amazing things that you're doing. And um, I just really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, no problem. It's been my (laughs) pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. And hopefully when you big time, you'll have me on here again. Absolutely. When you have like your own show like Ellen or Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I can say I was one of I was early on. So I look forward to that day where we can do that. So thanks so much. And I appreciate you and who you've been and just everything. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for taking the time to tune in to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. Don't forget to check out my blog at www.wordygirlent.com. That's W-O-R-D-Y-G-I-R-L-E-N-T.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at at WordyGirlENT and on Facebook at www.facebook.com 
forward slash wordygirlent. And always remember, it all begins with a single word. So what are you waiting for? Go write.